Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the China Shop. We are kicking in the doors right now. We've got another fantastic trading information episode for you. Eric from ES Invests is uh, filling in as the co-host today. Eric, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. I'm not super stoked on the size of the shoes I'm supposed to be filling right now, but I'll swim in them. <laughs> yeah, uh, you better get your zingers and one-liners ready to go. Shit, just failed on the first one, so we're off to a great start. <laughs> Maybe we should just talk about some news and uh, just move right along. How's that sound? I'm probably better suited there. <laughs> All right, let's get a song going here. Trading information. I'm inclined to agree. Trading information. That is accurate. Very accurate. What information? All right. What do we have on tap? Uh, I think a couple weeks ago we talked about the Kroger and Albertsons merger deal that was announced. Um, I saw something pop up in the news that was kind of following up on that. Uh, have you been paying attention to that at all? Not really. I actually came across Kroger, though, in just kind of a, a scan that I run pretty much daily. Um, and they had a just huge volume spike on the 13th, which is really what drew me into it. So, yeah, I, I figured something was going on. I had some preliminary information, but not a ton. Yeah, that, that was the day I think that was announced, 13th. Mm hmm. Uh, what's interesting or why this popped up or, or I felt like I had to bring it back up is, uh, that we had speculated over whether or not regulators would just like let this go or not mm. because of the size of the company it would create. The whole idea is for Kroger and Albertsons to be able to try to compete with, uh, Walmart. Uh, well, it looks like there are eight attorney generals from Arizona, California, Idaho, Illinois, and Washington state that are urging them to delay the $4 billion special dividend that their Albertsons is planning on issuing until the state can review the merger uh, and make sure that everything is all good. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And I mean, I, I feel like big deals like this are always up for discussion um, for exactly that reason. You start to get a little too niche and powerful. And while I get their position on attempting to competing with Walmart. I mean, realistically, the groceries that Walmart provides compared to like an actual grocery store is still very different. Right. So, yeah, it feels like a tough argument to make. But well, have you been to like one of the Super Krogers? I mean, they're basically a Walmart now these days. Like they have like a almost a department store feel to like half the store. I did not know there was a thing called a Super Kroger, but I love that name. It reminds me of like a monster that should crawl out of the ocean. So big fan of <laughs> I might have made it up. Oh, <laughs> I don't damn. know if that's what they call it. <laughs> you had me so excited. I was like, that is the kind of name I need in my life. Right. I, I mean, even Target's kind of been like uh, 
Like, doesn't Targets have groceries now these days too? Okay, okay. Let's not start giving Target credit here because <laughs> I went there with my wife the other day and I couldn't find anything I needed. Meanwhile, my wife and I, we went to Walmart not too long ago and I was able to get windshield washer fluid, oil, eggs, ground beef, and shorts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is why Walmart will always have a place in my life. And when I was back in New York, I could go get ammo if I was going to go hunting and whatever else you need. You go get a chicken at the same time. Right. Chicken and some fishing lures. What more yeah, could you dude, want? Dude, Target <laughs> is just trying to be too bougie for me. It's not my kind of place. So one of the things that uh, kind of stuck out on this, uh, and I don't know if you've seen anything like this before, but the the Albertsons was planning on doing a special dividend of $4 billion. Like, what is the deal with that? Yeah, so it I'm actually reading a bit about it right now and I I'm not positive. So what I'm reading here from Squawk Box it's saying the the dividend could amount to a massive improper giveaway to certain shareholders. So uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, so essentially they would pay that to shareholders and weaken Albert's equity. Um, Albert's ability to compete. So mm-hmm. uh, part of me is almost like trying to make the force the deal through um, from from their perspective. At least, super super interesting. That's so. Uh, I'm surprised that Kroger would allow that. Like you think that? I mean, that's four billion in assets that the, the company they're trying to acquire is just you know giving away. Yeah. Well, it looks like they were planning on Kroger was going to acquire Albertsons for what thirty four ten. $34.10 a share. So uh, part of me thinks that there is a good chance there is a lot of discussion behind closed doors as with happens with this kind of stuff before it comes up. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling that that would come out in the wash. It looked like they might have been just trying to position it as a more likely deal to go through, which is kind mm-hmm. of hilarious to me. It's one way to manipulate the the regulatory environment. It got kind of like trying to get your uh, your shareholders to vote. It's like bribing them. You you said it, not me. But <laughs> I'll say it. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, my my grandpa always used to say, you know, money talks, bullshit walks. So I think right. that also applies here. All right. Well, I felt like we probably need to bring that one up since we just talked about it. But yeah, I'm I'm just looking at the the price behavior in Kroger, and, and it's really interesting to me. It's still obviously in a precipitous decline. I would call this. Um, you know, a stage four decline. But when I look at the the options chains, I can get some insight as to where a lot of mm-hmm. options are hanging out. And a lot of that stuff can be indicative of things like a buyout. And if Kroger's to buy, we'd expect their value to fall, at least, you know, based on whatever they're going to be laying out. And there's still a lot of centralization on the call side, which I find very interesting because if there's a there's a high probability buyout, I'm typically going to go in mm-hmm. and get puts because I'm going to expect the buyer to come down in price. But right now there's 74,000 outstanding puts in general across all expirations, all strikes, and there's 102,000 calls. So there's still a lot of upside bias, which is also even more fascinating still not to hang on this point for too long but that's even more fascinating still in the current market with a underlying that's been crashing down pretty heavily because most people are looking to buy protection. So we normally would see put skew as compared to call skew. So this would be a, a pretty good example of um, 
open interest backwardation. That it's not what the norm is here. Well, have you have you looked at Albertson's chart? Um, I haven't. Let's take a look. Because it had a pretty significant gap down on Thursday, uh, Thursday, Friday last week. Yep. And which is also, again, the opposite of what you'd kind of expect. Exactly. I mean, normally the smaller company is getting, like, normally they're paying a premium for that company. So the valuation of that company shoots up while the other one is overpaying and its value goes down. Yeah. The one thing I will say is with earnings, it is a little more difficult um, just because that can kind of muddy mm-hmm. the waters quite a bit. Um, but the, man, this is so fascinating to me. I'm looking at the the open interest now in Albertsons. There's 618 total open calls and 3,609 open puts. It's like a two to one call to put ratio. Man, that's, that's just so fascinating huh. to me. Yeah, very, very interesting. So essentially when I see stuff like this, uh, you know, obviously I, I, I don't have the answer right now. I would have to do some homework, but this is the exact kind of anomaly that I look for to then do the homework. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, right now there's like 5.8 times the number of puts than calls just in existence. And mm-hmm. yeah, very, very interesting. And I mean, to me, it's almost like the Twitter deal where maybe they're not totally expecting this deal to go through. That's what I'm seeing right now, at least price in. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right. What else we got for, for news? So an interesting bit that I saw was our boy Zuck. <laughs> Fucking Zuck. Mark Zuckerberg is out there living his best life, I think. I saw an interview <laughs> with him and he looked um, as translucent as ever. So it's good to see that he still is completely unfamiliar with the sun. <laughs> and looking at their earnings it's looking rough oh man it's even looking even more rough than when i was i looked at this before we started talking a little while ago it just came out didn't it yeah it, so they came out after the market but it, pretty much immediately after the market they dropped they closed today at 129.82 and then i saw them trading around 112 so still obviously a, a big meaningful drop but now i see them trading down at 105 yeah so why didn't i get puts They're getting hammered right now. And, you know, it's like I was thinking about it. There's a there's a cost that comes with trying to be first. And that's Mm -hmm. really what I think is happening with Facebook here or Meta, excuse me, is obviously they made their transition and they're trying to be first. But this is the opportunity cost of being first is it's very rarely perfectly timed, just like most of us can't time the market worth shit. So, you know, same thing with trying to guess the next large business endeavor that is going to be adopted. So no big surprise here. Yeah, you really risk, you risk jumping into something before the world is even ready for it. Which is exactly what I think we're seeing right now, because, you know, I, I have an Oculus, like it's fun to tinker with, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not buying property in the metaverse. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no. I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I think the technology is still in its infancy, even though it's come leaps and bounds from where it was already. I still think it's in its infancy from like true adoption. Well, not even the the people at Facebook are playing in their own world. Like they, we just talked about a letter, an internal letter to, to their employees telling them that they need to spend more time like engaging in the world that they're trying to create. Right. Which, I mean, that, that's actually a really good, a really good letter to come out, but. Right. Yeah, man, their their uh, advertising revenue came in huge. 
it was not good. So mm-hmm. yeah, the their quarterly revenue was down four percent year over year. And yeah, I mean they're, they're down what like 15, 15 plus percent right now. So yeah, Meta's getting crushed. However, what I will say is the beautiful part about trading is I don't care at all what's happening to them. I want to trade it. Yeah. And tomorrow is a fantastic look at a follow through day, especially Mm -hmm. getting this big of a downtick. That's what I'll probably be looking for or early morning volatility contraction. Those would be the two, the two looks I give this kind of product. Can you explain the, the second one volatility contraction? What do you mean by that? Yeah, for sure. So before we get into earnings, you'll typically see implied volatility rising pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the trades I put on in meta. I had long straddles leading into the release. So I was playing that ex- uh, expansion of implied volatility. But now that the release has occurred, the information is out, all of the news is starting to get distilled. Mm-hmm. So typically what will happen after the open tomorrow is all of that implied volatility will start to contract very rapidly unless you know we start to get a huge downtrend it looks like a lot of it might be established here around 105 104 it's coming down even more um but the game plan for tomorrow morning is once i see how volatility is reacting we can put on trades that are really directionally agnostic and the only thing i will be betting on essentially is that implied volatility will be lower throughout the day tomorrow than it was before the release today Mm -hmm. gotcha yeah Sounds like a much better plan than just yellowing your life savings on uh, an earnings beat or miss. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a little more pragmatic, but way less fun. You know, you don't get that blood pumping. So yeah, it's, right. It's it job done. <laughs> Getting rich slow is boring. <laughs> yeah, what a bunch of losers. All right. Well, we're kind of running a little bit long here. Uh, why don't we just uh, jump into talking about what's going on uh, uh, next week? We got the FOMC meeting. Fed is in the blackout period finally, so now markets can kind of do what they want without them, you know, speaking every hour. Uh, you had mentioned when we were chatting before the call that that you saw some really interesting data popping up. I did, yeah. So and. One of the things I look at regularly is just bond futures, especially because it's just so topical right now. Mm. And over the last few weeks, I've been plotting them pretty, pretty regularly. So I can track the way essentially that the probabilities are leaning for where we think rates are going to go, because we're going to see it in the futures before anything else. Mm -hmm. And pretty much from a week ago, We were expecting a 75 basis point raise somewhere to the tune of 94.6% probability. Okay. Then a day ago, it went up slightly from 94.62 to 96.23. So, you know, trending more in the positive direction, as in we think there's even higher probability still. Today, however, huge change. We're now down to an 87.27% probability of that 75 basis point raise, which is a really important shift because that gives us a tremendous amount of insight into the way that the market is receiving all of this dialogue Mm -hmm. around the Fed. Because anybody that's been listening has probably heard one point or another that the Fed is starting to reconsider their rate hike approach because a lot of them are saying we're essentially going to you know walk off a fl- fucking cliff here if we keep doing this and i mean but but they do it in fed speak though so it's like uh, we need to yes. have a meeting to consider uh that aka we're about to walk off the fucking cliff yes yes 
Yeah. So just watching that change is really, really interesting. That's something I'm going to keep a pretty close eye on because I was actually structuring a trade on the futures assimilation for that probability. But this changes that trade hypothesis. So back to the drawing board. Sick. Thank you, Market. Do you think that there's indications that maybe we have bottomed uh, as far as the, the market goes? Um, you could argue it. Like if somebody wanted to make that argument, I don't think it would fall on deaf ears. I think especially we got a little bit of follow through between the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. What is most important to me now is to see just using the, the S and P 500 for the discussion is to see how we behave around the 3,900 handle. Mm-hmm. Um, we got close today. We didn't quite make it happen. So based on based on how we move about that, I would have a different opinion. But past four days, good volume, good follow through, it very well could be. But that's the very first threshold that I think we have to get through. Since we already cracked through 3803, 3805-ish, it could be. I'm personally not super trusting of it just yet. Uh, yeah. And that's because... It's still a little early. Having the market make these kind of moves is difficult. Um, yeah, to to be really convicted, but we're starting to see the moving averages assimilate the way that we should. I'm starting to see variance risk premium contracting, which is annoying for me because I like to trade that, but it is typically a sign of a change in Vanguard like this. So could be the case. I think. I think for me, I need to see a CPI. Uh, uh, numbers come out and see something that indicates that peak inflation has occurred. I think until we see that, I don't know that you can trust any any rally at this point. Yeah. And I think that's a really good benchmark. And another interesting thing for your viewers slash listeners, I realize because nobody's viewing this because uh, it's just fucking voice. So. <laughs> hey, some of them are. We do have a YouTube channel. Well, well, in case anybody, I'm blonde and I like to live <laughs> up to that periodically, as you could tell. Um, but Another interesting thing is uh, I looked and studied at all of the past recession-based bear markets for the past 150 years, and I looked at how the markets behave around interest rate movements mm-hmm. subsequent the bear market. And one of the largest predictors of actually starting to emerge on the backside of the bear market is we see a rate decrease. Mm-hmm. So I think any sort of rally that we see here, it could be a bottom, but I don't think that means that we are now in a new bull market. Right, I right. think we may just have a trending sideways phase, maybe um, kind of like a stage one that very likely could fall back stage four to just a slightly lower low. But I mean, the market sold off pretty good, man. So yeah, 25% contraction over a year. I, I, you got to imagine the bottom somewhere around there. I know we were having just uh, before this call started or before the recording started a discussion about candlestick patterns. You're pointing out the inverted mm-hmm. hammer at the top there uh, from today's print. Yeah. And I and I bring that up just like I told you, I think it's important to disclose here. You know, I, I bring that up as not a firm candlestick chartist believer. I think there are some that are higher probability than others, as you could probably tell yep. I'm more of a numbers dude. Um, but I do think that if we all commit to slaughtering goats or squirrels tonight, that <laughs> there is a higher chance we'll be able to forecast based on this candle. <laughs> oh, man, I, that sounds like the perfect way to end this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, fuck. I did. Well, there you have, have it. A game plan now. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it, folks. Uh, if you want this rally to hold, go out and murder a goat. Or squirrel. Or squirrel. Now I can, or squirrels. I don't know. Do we like squirrels? 
I, I tree rats are okay, but I just feel like we would have to come up with a fair ratio of squirrels to goats. <laughs> right, I'll let you work on that formula. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, thanks, Eric, for, for jumping in here and uh, shooting the breeze uh, on some news stories here. Really enjoy uh, uh, conversing with you whenever you have the time. Dude, absolute pleasure. I enjoy conversing with me, too. So <laughs> I am honored to be here. Where where can people find you? Um, on Twitter or YouTube at ES Invests. But I'm going to be kind of busy gathering up squirrels because I don't have goats around here. So you're probably not going to see me. Uh, just tape a bunch of them together. You can get the mass right. That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, everyone, for uh, for sticking around to the end here. Uh, hope you had a good time listening. Uh, please don't really kill any animals. Uh, that was just kind of a joke. <laughs> uh, be back at you soon with some uh, some fantastic guest episodes. Uh, but until then, goodbye. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.